again, everybody. I'm Paul Hart, and this is the podcast, Life's Learning Curve. We are a podcast where we use personal stories to underscore just how we got to be us. We're a composite in our lives of people and events and places that we've experienced. How we became a better us is what we're all about. Learning is ongoing throughout life, right? The classic age of radio happened way before I was born. Before streaming, before cable TV, before just television through the airways. Great storytelling dominated the realm of radio. Now, similar to podcasts, these things were audio only, of course. So this is kind of cool, a throwback, theater of the mind, storytelling. You can kind of picture it in your mind. It's like when you read a book. You kind of see all the imagery. It's where imagination ruled back then, radio. And they... Show, the shows themselves, the radio shows, they thrived from the, I don't know, the 1920s, I think, through around the 1960s, where they were kind of muscled out by television. For me, I uncovered these classic radio shows through my car's free subscription service just a few years ago. And this opened up thousands of channels to me. And I went and listened to the sports channels. I listened to the various music channels, all kinds of music channels, uh, talk radio, etc., a lot of things. But there was one channel that was special to me. It was only that storytelling channel from the days of classic radio that drew me in. Now, today's episode of Life's Learning Curve is another true story where I learned that my sense of humor which I've carried with me throughout my life, actually saved me. And that sometimes you have to step in and step up and save yourself, or you could lose yourself. I was 18 when the story took place. It's hard to make those conscious decisions back at that age. In a nod to classic radio, we're proud to share this episode called Intent to Harm. Should be fun. Let's go. Sebastian. Here we go. Life's Learning Curve with Paul Hart. Episode Intent to Harm. Stand by. And now, in the classic style of 1950s radio, Life's Learning Curve presents Intent to Harm. Of my occasional lazy teenage boasts, I have to share a significant story about a very brief summer job my Uncle Phil found for me when I was 18 years old. When I was not lying around playing music at home, I I worked at a job, sure. My dad had instilled in me an on-your-toes work ethic. I was fresh out of high school, and I would attend Eastern Illinois University in that late summer. And that meant I had to earn any spending money I would need to cover the book costs, usually around $300. So a good-paying, hard-working job was necessary. Heck, you know, it, it was mandatory for me. Now, my Uncle Phil was a sociable kind of guy and had lots of friends. And apparently his acquaintances were always asking him, Hey, Phil, you got a summer job open for a responsible teen? Know anybody? I was lucky. Uncle Phil came to me. He hooked me up working the grounds crew for the local school district. See the episode of Life's Learning Curve called My Plum Job for more on that. Now, 
Ground's crew was hard, sweaty, laborious work, but hey, I was in my teens and we were outside working and I liked it and the money. It paid well compared to other jobs at that age. But Uncle Phil's reference for this job was quite different. This job would be different. I found out it would be awkward, demoralizing, nightmarish, and somehow funny to me. It was really like me participating in a Hitchcock film with a guy named Anthony. Anthony was a 30-something guy around 165 pounds who looked like the world had given him very few breaks. Yet he exuded an awkward confidence that made me, well, it made me uneasy. Bully, I'm Anthony DeFiore. Call me Anthony. So, how long you worked in grounds? Three years, Anthony. Yeah? Well, I need you to work the truck with me. We deliver ginger ale, tonic water, you know, the fizzy mixes for the drinks. One case is 20 glass bottles, 32 ounces per bottle. And you know what that makes? That makes the cases twice as heavy as a case of soda pop. But you think you can handle that? I like challenges. I always have. So, sure. I told Anthony, sure, I can handle that. The truck is stocked. Grab your lunch pail and let's get going. We'll do all your paperwork and stuff when we get back to the shop. I'll just pay you today in cash. Okay, sure. Thanks, Anthony. Here we go, Polly. The truck was one of those rumbly delivery soda trucks that had six vertical sliders that went up and down on the sides and the back, which revealed the product, and the six separate bins kept things organized. One bin for ginger ale, one for tonic water, one for cola, one for club soda, seltzer water, etc. There were six different products we delivered. We were on our way to the first delivery. Anthony's territory was the southeast portion of DuPage County here in the mid-Midwest. I was stoked. I was excited to do a new, different job, something different than I had done for the past three summers. I was anxious to take on the new challenge. I had my mentor to guide me. All was good. Damn, that's good. Now, Paulie, when we get there, watch what I do. Observe, you know. Then on the second stop, you could begin to take over for me. I reminded myself to tell Anthony I didn't like being called Paulie. But it was my first day. I just let it go. Our truck rumbled up to the large delivery opening to a mid-sized supermarket. I shadowed and observed Anthony as he entered the delivery area with three cases of ginger ale, two cases of tonic water, and one case of seltzer water. He entered the bustling delivery area already at max capacity with other deliveries. Once deep inside the back of the store, the delivery area, Anthony set down the cases and said, Paulie, did you see me check in with the store inventory delivery guy? Uh, no, not really, Anthony. I said, Show me the guy. There was a pause, and I saw Anthony's face change. What do you mean? No, no, Anthony, I didn't catch that part. Which guy do I look for? 
A change in his voice let me know that I had missed something, something important. Anthony grabbed me by my arm and pulled hard. He yanked me over to a man with a clipboard. This is Chip, the stock inventory guy here. Got it? Yeah. You moron. Chip, this is my new truck boy. Not, uh, not too smart. What? Anthony swatted me square in the back of the head. <clears throat> Embarrassed, I saw Chip just look away and smile slightly, uncomfortably. Believe me, that slap made my attention focus. I paid close attention now. I felt humiliated at that point, but hey, it was important to learn this and apply it, even though I hadn't been brought up being swatted. I didn't think twice about it. At the time, I was a next high school football player, and if a situation went off course, I knew that I could handle myself. The SWAT was an attention getter. That was it. This was my job to learn. Important fact, I understood. No problem, I would not make this mistake again. I figured this was just Anthony's way of communicating. Polly, next time I'll bust you in the chops. Hey, Polly, idiot. Yeah. Close the bay doors to the truck. So I'm an idiot, huh? Get in. Come on. Come on. Okay. Maybe I was wrong about Anthony. I was confused. Now, I've always been pretty easygoing, and I usually find some kind of humor in most situations. But this time, I felt, well, ashamed, and I entered the passenger seat of the truck. We began to drive. Without a word between the two of us, we headed east. I knew Anthony was not in a good mood. But I was quite surprised when Anthony spoke to me. It was upbeat. Yeah, you got a girlfriend, Polly? Yeah, well, yeah. How about your parents? They together? Uh, yeah. Yeah, Anthony. Awkwardly, I asked Anthony about his life. I don't want to talk about it. Anthony said softly. Silence filled the cab of the truck as we rumbled down the road. Let me ask you something, Polly. Does blood bother you? What? Whoa, what do you mean? I got animals. There's a lot of blood. Does that bother you? Whoa. I don't know. Probably, I guess. Uh, not on the job, though, right? My wife took off with my two kids last week. Two of them. She doesn't like all the blood. Blood? You do uh, taxidermy, Anthony? Huh? Nah, I just like hunting and gutting. Okay, this was weird, but back then, I had this bad habit. Still do sometimes, of asking questions, even when I shouldn't. Then, uh, what do you do with the gutted animals, Anthony? Oh, I just keep them in the basement. Smell? There's, there's gotta be a bad smell down there, right? No, I kinda like it, Polly. I wondered, who was this guy? I thought, odd. Yep, uncomfortably odd.
Next, we rumbled into a small convenience store, and Anthony told me to grab three cases of ginger ale and deliver it to Eddie, Hi, Eddie. the manager in the front of the store. It was a one-man operation. Checking in. I did that. I checked in with Eddie, and then Eddie asked me to stock the product in the delivery refrigerated glass doored section of the store. I'm on it. I told Eddie, and I was. For some reason, Anthony never exited the truck. I did look out and check on him once, and I saw him just leaning and slumping over on the driver's door. Now, it was summer, and I was dressed for the heat of the summer, the season, yeah. And, and However, my short time in that refrigerated section froze me to the core. So I had to remind myself, okay, this was work, and I really needed this work. As I quickly finished stocking the refrigerated shells with ginger ale, Anthony appeared at the door and spoke to Eddie, the manager. Eddie, sorry I got me a idiot kid working a truck this summer. Not a hard worker, this guy. Paulie, get out of here. Get out of here. You think we got all day? Get in the truck. Get in the truck, Sorry, Eddie. It's a loser. What? (laughs) Come on, Anthony. What? (laughs) I'd started to laugh. (laughs) Anthony had to be kidding. I mean, this was just too much anger for the situation we were in. It seemed unnecessary. It, It took me by surprise and was funny to me. Manager Eddie just smiled and he looked down. He looked away. But it wasn't Anthony kidding around. Anthony looked frighteningly angry. This time I knew I had checked in and I had been efficient with my time. I began to sense an unnormal reality. Anthony's anger was so out of place that I had laughed out loud by accident. Who knows? It was funny. Or maybe Anthony's little dramas were just getting uncomfortable. Do you know what you need, Polly? You need some time in the cage. The cage? <laughs> Anthony, stop being weird. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Uh, turns out I shouldn't have said that. Once on the road again, I fully expected to be chewed out by Anthony, lectured to, or redirected somehow. Maybe even a slap in the head again. However, once again, there was silence for many miles. As he drove, Anthony's face twisted unnaturally now. It was this kind of a cartoonish look. It struck me funny, but I didn't laugh. When I looked at Tim sideways from the corners of my eyes, I saw a mix of anger, frustration, and rage, occasionally slamming his hand hard against the steering wheel. <coughs> That was enough, I thought. That's enough. I have to do something to distract Anthony. When I finally broke the silence, I said, Anthony, I'm, I'm sorry for not doing as good as you thought. Quietly, Anthony said, You're doing good, Polly. Confused now, I asked, Anthony, how are you doing? His answer conflicted with his words, and he said, I'd never been better. I got this truck. I got this job. 
and you, I got a great summer truck helper. <laughs> what? <laughs> Anthony, stop, stop kidding around. What? This guy might be off his nut, I thought. Seemingly unstable. Again, I did laugh out loud. I was confused. The whole thing just struck me funny. It was contradicting itself, the whole thing. However, that changed. I saw a serious look from Anthony, and he just stared at me as he was driving, not looking at the road. He just stared at me, glaring. It made me uneasy. After another delivery stop at a local supermarket and another insult-filled profanity-laced dressing down of me by Anthony in front of the store's full staff, one of the managers came to me, making sure Anthony was not around, and he whispered, Listen, son, Anthony's got some anger and violence issues. You mean because of his wife and kids leaving, right? Oh, uh, he doesn't have a wife or any kids. He's never been married. Uh, I went to his apartment to play cards, a bunch of us from the store, about a year back, and he got really angry, violent. He began to break the card table to pieces, so we all just left. (laughs) Oh, so he didn't like losing, huh? No, we never got around to the game. It never started. He's never mentioned that night or that game ever again, and neither have we. Just watch him, you know, stay on his good side. Not surprised I did not laugh that time. Around midday, our large truck lumbered into an unkept small dusty drive-in hot dog stand just off of Roosevelt Road with a dirt and broken glass parking lot area, which was fine with me, the food stand, because I was 18 years old and food was a passion at that age. After we ordered, we sat at a beef-filled picnic table just east of the hot dog stand. As I ate my Chicago dog with everything but peppers on it, Anthony sat in silence. His expressionless face stared toward the ground. I watched bees, flies, and even an ant crawl onto his plain hot dog before he took his first bite. Being all of 18 years old at the time, I guessed that maybe... I guessed Anthony's wife and kids might have been actually real, a recent marriage or something. A couple months old and things went bad? I don't know. Maybe it was real and and their departure weighed heavily on his mind. Or did he just make it all up? I just couldn't read this guy. Who was Anthony? I felt uneasy. So to change the direction of Anthony's ever-changing moods, I asked him, So, uh, Anthony, how long are your work days usually? Do you work until everything's off the truck, or do you save it for the next day? From out of nowhere, Anthony exploded. He snapped his head toward me, and he blurted out, Why? How about we go seize the basement? My basement! I'll show you what the basement, I'll show you the blood and the guts that are down there. See if you like what's down there. You can have a permanent stay, Polly. Stay in my basement. Let's go. With anger in his eyes, Anthony reached out and grabbed for me. I pulled away quickly. 
I recognized that this was a threatening action. For once, I didn't find the humor. Come with me, Paulie. I knew I had to make a decision fast. Now. And I was many miles away from home. All of 18 years old, I play-acted the best I could. I calmly laughed, uneasily probably, as if it was all a joke, and I told Anthony... (laughs) Hey, Anthony, I'm gonna go inside and use the bathroom. Uh, I'll be right back. Anthony grunted. (sighs) The badger. And looked away. I walked in the east door by our parked truck and walked through the small hot dog stand and I stealthily exited the west door on the other side of the building. 30 miles from home, I began my escape. Now, Anthony must not have even realized I had gone and left because he did not come after me right away. Oh, I kept looking for him over my shoulder as I jogged up the highway until I was able to blend into the first neighborhood I found, about one block away. Then I serpentined in and out of areas that were less traveled by vehicles, neighborhoods, empty lots, forest preserves, until I recognized where I was. I do remember once, one time, seeing Anthony's beverage truck slowly, about 10 miles an hour, just idling down Roosevelt Road looking for me. But I was safe. At that time, I was inside a public library looking out a window, and I had no intent of being found. There was a moment, I swear, I saw Anthony's eyes look right at me through that library window. But then I saw the truck proceed ahead and turn onto the expressway. I made a break for it. I had traveled just under 10 miles by foot that day to escape Anthony, to find a familiar landmark. This was prior to cell phones, so calling would not be an option. So just as my parents had taught me, I relied on other strangers to help me. That was the way it was back then. Many people helped one another if you just asked. So just outside the library, an older man and his wife stopped at a stop sign. An elderly woman rolled down the passenger side window and asked me, You lost, young man? You look lost. Ah, yeah. Can you help me? I seem to be in the wrong city. They looked at one another and nodded. Sure. Get in, son. Come on in. Oh, thank you. Thanks. Thanks again, both of you. The older couple drove me 20 miles that day, all the way back to my home. Riding in that car made my mind race. I couldn't stop thinking. I, I, I was quiet as I sat in the back seat, but I couldn't help but wonder, what if Anthony would come after me? But soon I realized he couldn't. He had never gotten my address or phone number, remember? Grab your lunch pail and let's get going. We'll do our paperwork when we get back to the shop. Or I'll just pay you in cash today. How's that? Okay, sure, Anthony. All set, son. Thanks, uh, you two saved me today. Look, we hope you find what you're looking for. 
goodbye. You're the best. I thanked them again and I got out and thought to myself, you know what? Angels are everywhere. So what did we learn today? What did I learn? Well, I wasn't really lost. I had a way back home to love, to peace, to family. Anthony, well, he was floating in and out of reality, and that's not a good place to be. I truly believe my sense of humor kept me from any grave danger that day. I never heard back from Anthony ever again, and I never took another job recommendation from my Uncle Phil either. Now, Anthony made the papers about six months later. He had committed a homicide, and that's all I'll say about that. As for me, I moved on, and I found myself being a bit more cautious when I took side jobs, and I learned that a sense of humor is important, but it's also important to carefully examine the sanity of your superiors, your bosses. That's necessary. But I'll tell you what, what's not necessary? Working with a man with a negative intent. An intent to harm. This has been Life's Learning Curve Radio Theater. I hope you enjoyed our classic radio nod today. Before I get emails, yes, this um, part of my life really did happen. Um, uh, as awkward and as weird as it was, terrifying at times, uh, it happened. I did change names. I changed the profession of what we were doing. Uh, but the rest of it was, you know, pretty scary for me at least. I was only 18 at the time. And I have to tell you, this was one of those stories that are... Well, I knew they, it would be hard for me to retell. I knew I couldn't do it, possibly just couldn't do it here. But when I thought of it in the idea of radio theater, like classic radio, presenting it in that manner, script-wise, it helped me get through the process. So thank you for indulging me. <laughs> Until next time for Life's Learning Curve, I'm Paul Hart. Subscribe to Life's Learning Curve at lifeslearningcurve.org and leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Podchaser. Season 4, Episode 59, Intent to Harm of Life's Learning Curve Podcast was put together by producer Sebastian T. Dog, executive producer Paul Hart, technical director Vince Gordon, editor Paul Richards, audio and sound Riley Hart, production manager Heidi Cerner, studio equipment management Don Compton. Hey, find us on Facebook and find us just about everywhere else podcasts are heard these days. Visit our website, lifeslearningcurve.org, and subscribe, read a blog, or shoot us an email. This episode has imaginative voice recreations. To protect the privacy of others, some names have been changed and characters conflated. Episode 59, Intent to Harm. I'm Paul Hart, and we will proudly be back next month with more stories and guests from Life's Learning Curve. We're clear.